I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Today on the program, I want to bring back an old segment that we used to do. We haven't done it in a while, but given the current media climate and everything that's going on in the country, I think it's important that we bring this segment back. So it is called This Week in Fake News. It's a segment where I go through and I find some of the most egregious examples of the media just getting it wrong, the media misrepresenting who they are, and the media just really botching a story. And there's so much of that today in Canada among the legacy media. So, you know, the legacy media are out there and they pretend that they're these sort of champions of truth and that they're completely non-biased and indifferent and they're just out there trying to report the facts. We all know that that's not true. Every single reporter in Canada has their own biases and it's just a simple fact that most of those biases lead them towards the left. Most journalists in Canada are left-leaning and that bias does come through. They're not honest about who they are, so they pretend to be these unbiased, impartial arbiters of facts and knowledge, but the reality is that they have their own agenda, they have their own ideas and opinions, and that does come through. Here at True North, you know exactly who we are and what you can get. We don't hide our biases. You know, for instance, that our editorial position is conservative, that we see the world through the sort of right of center prism of things, and that our news reports are fact-driven, straight facts. So you're not going to see our opinions seep through in our news pieces, but when it comes to the editorial position, we are open about the fact that we are conservative. Whereas, for instance, the CBC, they're not open at all about their biases. They pretend to just simply be representing the views of Canadians. Of course, we all know that the CBC is far left, that most of their reporters lean left, but they don't acknowledge that. They don't say that they're a left-leaning organization. They lie to you and they say that they're straight down the middle, which of course they are not. So in This Week in Fake News, we are going to focus on two stories. And the first one does, lo and behold, come from that state broadcaster, the CBC. So I noticed this piece over the weekend and it really just struck me as being dishonest. So here it is, it says, three strikes and you're outed. Brian Pallister makes another inflammatory comment about Indigenous relations. Now you can see that this is listed under the term analysis. So back in the day in journalism, there were sort of two camps of the types of reports that you would see. There would be the straight news, which is what I was talking about. You know, the idea that there's no bias, there's no, um, you know, worldview seeped in there. It's just impartial. Here are the facts. Here you go. And then the other side of the aisle would be opinion journalism. And so this is the people who add context to the stories. They give you your opinion. Sometimes they even tell you who you should vote for and who you shouldn't vote for. But the news side is not supposed to do that. Well, the legacy media has created this sort of third middle sector um, that's not quite news, not quite opinion. They call it analysis. So this falls in that middle category. It really should be listed as opinion because as we'll see when we go through this piece, it is an opinion piece. But oddly enough, it is written by a reporter. So a person who does straight news, a person that covers politics in Manitoba, presumably he's part of the press gallery there. He goes to the news conferences and asks questions to the premier, pretending to just be a straight reporter. But then you have this weird analysis piece uh, that really is just an opinion piece from this reporter who basically is calling for the premier to be removed from office, which is a pretty strong call from the state broadcaster, from the public journalists who received billions of dollars in tax money. So as I said, the headline is three strikes and you're outed. I don't even really know what that means. The subheadline here says Brian Pallister's latest gaffe 
and reluctance to acknowledge it further illustrates his unusual leadership. So again, because it's an analysis, he's not taking a really strong opinion, even though it's kind of buried in there. And instead it just says, oh, this is unusual leadership, while the headline itself calls for him to be removed from office. So I'll read from the report itself so we can get to these three supposed gaffes made by the premier. So he starts by saying, during five years as Manitoba's premier, Brian Palliser has made a trio of statements his critics can fairly describe as impediments to reconciliation. Again, you can see what this journalist's bias is. You can see what his opinion is, but he hides it behind this language. So instead of just saying, this is my opinion, he says, these statements his critics can fairly describe as being an impediment, which again is just him hiding his own opinion. So what are these three trio of gaffes? Well, the first one here, it says, so in 2017, Pallister characterized divisions between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people fighting over illegal night hunting as the markings of a race war. According to this piece, he later walked back those comments as the wrong choice of words, but he did not apologize for them. So it sounds like in the heat of a moment, he said this was a race war, which I don't really know much about this 2017 event. Uh, sure, the premier probably shouldn't be using terms like that, but really it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's probably what a fairly accurate description of what was going on. And then he later said, look, upon consideration, these were the wrong choice of words. So this reporter is kind of being a stickler for whether or not someone apologized for really just, you know, saying something that was true and then realizing, oh, it's probably politically incorrect and saying it was a wrong choice of word. It looks like he did acknowledge it, uh, whether or not he specifically said the word, I'm sorry. Again, and, you know, this is four years ago now. I don't know why uh, this is something that the CBC needs to write about now. But let's go on to the second supposed gaffe by Premier Pallister in Manitoba. So the second one, he said in late 2020, the Premier suggested that the need to prioritize the Indigenous population for COVID-19 vaccinations puts Manitobans at the back of the line for doses if the province does not receive the greater proportion proportionate share of shots. So the implication, this according to the CBC reporter, is that Indigenous people are not Manitobans. In spite of that rhetoric, the province went on to partner with the First Nations pandemic response team on what is widely regarded as a successful effort to ensure vaccines made their way to Indigenous communities. So this is kind of interesting because his complaint is the language that the Premier used, which admittedly isn't that great but it ignores the actual actions of the premier. So here we have in Manitoba a success story, a story of the premier prioritizing the indigenous population, ensuring that they did get their COVID vaccines. And that was successful. And the author even confirms that in this piece saying that, well, yeah, his words were bad, but his actions were great. And so again, it kind of negates this entire point. Sure, he said something that maybe he shouldn't have. It seems again, like he probably just misspoke. And then the actions were what matters. So CBC is pointing out that it doesn't matter what you do, as long as you say something that's slightly politically incorrect, then we're gonna go after you for it. Okay, let's find out what the third statement was. So here he says, here the piece goes on to say, the third statement arrived on Wednesday when the premier issued a plea to Manitobans who remain angry about the discovery of the remains of hundreds of children at several Canadian residential schools. If you've been following my reports, you know that this statement that he just wrote here isn't exactly true. It's not confirmed. And to say that the remains are of children at residential schools is just flatly, plainly false. I've made this point many times. For instance, the 
place where the unmarked graves were discovered in Cranbrook, British Columbia, was an existing graveyard that predated the residential school by 40 years and also serviced the only local hospital in the area. So the idea that these graves are all belonging to children residential schools is just patently false. But the reporter repeats that myth and then he goes on to say this, and this is pretty wild. So again, this is to quote the piece in the CBC. During a speech intended to calm the waters, Pallister instead whipped up a storm by suggesting the colonization of Canada was conducted with good intentions. This is a quote from Pallister. The people who came to this country before it was a country and since then didn't come here to destroy anything. They came here to build. Okay. So let's just pause for a second because this shouldn't even be a controversial point. Early Canadians were good people that had good intentions. They came here to build a country. That's all true. You can argue about whether the outcomes of their policies were good or bad. A lot of them were really good. We live in a great country. Look at the rule of law in our country, the institutions, the education system, the health system. There are so many things that Canada got right. Canada is a great country in the scheme of things. Early Canadians, yes, they had good intentions. And yes, they came here to build. Did they make some mistakes? Absolutely. Were early governments not as good as governments today? Absolutely. I think you can look at any government in any country in the world and any time in Canadian history and point out things that are bad. But when you compare Canada to any other country in the world, and especially at that time, right, we're talking about the turn of the century from the 1800s to the 1900s. That's when these residential schools were established. And then they were maintained during the 20th century, you know, at a time when evil ideologies like fascism and communism were causing real chaos and reaping havoc all over the globe. You're talking about real genocide, real issues of mass death and, and suffering and misery at the hands of governments. Over in Canada, we had this school system that had some bad outcomes, absolutely. But again, the intentions, were they good, were they bad of the residential schools? That's a debate that we can have. But to kind of blanketly say that the intentions of early Canadians were not good, I don't think you can say that and I don't think that you can say that they've had a negative outcome. But again, the CBC is not interested in nuance or interested in this weird game of gotcha journalism, taking words out of context and trying to use them um, to haunt someone. And of course, it doesn't apply equally. They would never do this to Justin Trudeau. They would never do this to a liberal premier or a liberal politician. This is just a weird gotcha game that they play against conservatives, parsing their language, taking it out of context, using it against them. It's absolutely despicable. And I think that the CBC should be absolutely ashamed of itself for running this piece. Okay, let's move on to my second article that I'd like to go through in This Week in Fake News. This is over in iPolitics. You may not have heard of iPolitics. It's a small little website uh, news outlet that is based in Ottawa and they sort of cover Ottawa-based news, but you probably will recognize the author of this article because Michael Corrin used to be a very prominent, outspoken conservative who was a religious conservative, and he would sort of back every position, even the controversial and extreme ones, of the Christian right and sort of defend them. And then all of a sudden he had this weird 180 where he went hardcore in the other direction, and now he's a leftist who openly speaks out about how much he hates sort of the political right and the Christian right in, in particular. So his piece over in iPolitics is called 
Let's worried about destroyed people first, then destroyed churches. To scream at violence without realizing its causes isn't an authentic Christian response. So it's a little rich to hear Michael Corrin telling us about what is and what isn't an authentic Christian response, given the fact that he has himself switched his position so much, it's hard to tell what's authentic with him and what isn't. But the long and the short of it, and I won't spend too much time on this piece because it's really despicable, but the idea is that we're supposed to just sort of accept the idea that these churches are being burnt down, that churches are being vandalized, and that it's all part of the sort of reconciliation process. And I just think that this view is absolutely abhorrent. Look, one of the most important values in Canada is religious freedom, the ability to practice your religion. We all know that if this was happening to any other religious group, if these were Jewish synagogues or Muslim mosques or Sikh temples or, or any other religious building, there, this would be a huge, huge national story. The RCMP would be out there on a manhunt trying to find those responsible. And every single liberal and leftist pundit, probably every conservative pundit too, would be condemning it. But somehow because it's happening to Christians and because of the news with the unmarked graves being discovered, uh, everyone just sort of shrugs their shoulders. And Michael Corrin is sort of the leading example of this. And perhaps the saddest part of this whole story about the churches getting burnt down or being desecrated is that so many of these churches are on First Nations territories. So something that you might not hear many people talk about and people don't really like to acknowledge, but the overwhelming majority of First Nations people in this country are practicing Christians. Many of them are practicing Catholics. So the churches that are being burnt down are their places of worship. There are places where First Nations go to pray um, and to congregate. The idea that during this time that is a crisis for First Nations, you know, the sort of wounds of re residential schools, the wounds of residential schools are being ripped open by the mainstream media, a lot of times in a very neglectful way, um, using irresponsible language, exaggerating, sensationalizing the story, and saying things that are flat out untrue, um, ripping open the wounds for First Nations people, and then they don't have anywhere to go and pray because their local community church has been burnt down. Look, again, Canada is a country of laws. We have the rule of law, and one of the foremost values that we have in this country is freedom of religion. That includes the sanctity of these buildings and the ability of Canadians to go and pray. And having someone like Michael Corrin kind of get out there and champion the idea that it is okay that these are being burnt down and that it's not the same as violence against individual people is just absolutely disgusting. I want to point out one line just because it's a certainly a pet peeve of mine, but Michael Corrin even repeats the lie that these were mass graves that were discovered. So he says, this has all happened since the mass unmarked graves of indigenous children were found on the grounds of former residential schools, which were often run by churches. Okay, so you see here he uses the term mass unmarked graves, which is sort of a sleight of hand trick. They weren't mass graves. A lot of media reported that they were mass graves. Of course, mass graves are the hallmark of genocide and the idea of a mass grave sort of conjures images of evil done by Nazis and communists and fascists. Uh, in the 20th century. So to use that term mass graves is incredibly dubious and it's not true in this instance. And so because it's not technically true, he, he kind of sneaks in mass unmarked graves so that if you're not reading it very carefully, you might think it just says mass graves, but really he's saying mass unmarked graves, which isn't really the correct language that you would use. So shame on iPolitics for publishing this piece. Shame on the CBC for writing that weird analysis, trying to condemn the premier for things that really weren't that bad. This is definitely Definitely your examples of fake news for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.